Our Father, we thank you for life and breath again today. Help us to, to appreciate each moment and each day that you give us. Now we pray especially your blessings upon the meetings here for the ASI convention, and especially here this morning now as we talk about nonprofits and how they can be used effectively in your ministry. Pray that your will and your understanding of this topic will be presented in spite of... Uh, me and other human instruments that you must use this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So I, I would like to just take a minute or two. Uh, it's probably going to be more like three or four. And I would like to have a few of you share, just, um, you know, who you are uh, and why you're here. What, what are you looking for? Okay, who would like to, two or three or four? Okay, I know Colleen. My name's Colleen. I'm from uh, California, Southern California. Um, I've had uh, several different businesses, um, but I do um, accounting and income taxes. So I think first off that this um, seminar will really help me to better help my clients. But also, I am interested very much in starting my own nonprofit. I've already begun the, the foundational things for it, and I've done that for other people as well. But what I'm really interested in, because of doing taxes and being uh, in that close proximity with the government, um, I am really interested in the concept of tax-exempt nonprofit as opposed to 501c3, because I feel... The less government involvement, the better. Thank you very much. Who would like to uh, share? Somebody else? Over there. <clears throat> My name is Eliusa. I'm from Brazil, but I live here now. Uh, some years ago, I came to the United States. And I have a calling from God, and I don't know yet if I will have a nonprofit or how it will work. So I'm here to learn. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yes. Glad you're here. Yeah, I'm David Beardsley <coughs> uh, from uh, Kansas City, Missouri. I'm, I have a for-profit business in elderly health care housing and all, and my son-in-law has a booth upstairs uh, called Pathway to Paradise and just recently got his not-for-profit, and I'm just, I'm wanting to help and all, and want to learn all that I can. We were amazed at how fast he got it after all the horror stories we heard, but uh, I just need to learn more. Good. Glad you're here. Someone else? Hmm, I'm not sure how's the best way to get over here. Excuse me. Well, we have um, started a <clears throat> aquaponic, hydroponic farm, and we just retired here shortly, and the, our son and his wife are the ones that are really running this, and we've been debating whether we should make this a nonprofit or for-profit. We've been at it now for the last couple couple years, and our outreach, we really want to teach people 
and try to maybe go into foreign countries to teach him how to grow vegetables and, and in a very small, confined area, especially in, in foreign countries where land is and weather is prohibited. And so we're just, we've been debating this now since we started it, whether we should or shouldn't, and we've heard so much against it that it's just so much paperwork that we haven't really pursued it. So we're just really interested to hear if we should make mm -hmm. a decision, if we should yeah. make a nonprofit or keep it the way it is. Good. Yeah. Um, it's encouraging. I think so far you're all in the right place. This is what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Sir. <clears throat> My name's Gary Bartholomew with the uh, nonprofit Water for Life. Uh, is it feasible to have an all-volunteer nonprofit? We're running one. Okay. I'm Barbara O'Neill from Australia, and my husband Michael and I run a uh, health retreat. We have for about 20 years now, and uh, we're non-profit. Anybody else? Yeah. Come right. Go ahead. My name is David Knott, and um, my wife and I run a nonprofit called Gospel Mission Aviation. We took the plunge a year and a half ago, so so far it's been good, and it wasn't all that difficult. We worked for nonprofits overseas for four or five years beforehand, and finally decided we needed our own. So God's been blessing. Good, good. Um, we are from Puerto Rico, and we are retired of the Inter-American Division. Uh, my husband, Mois, Dr. Moises Velasquez. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, we have a, a, a small uh, company. Uh, it's for uh, raising funds for different projects in Inter America and different underdeveloped uh, countries. Mm -hmm. We are trying to. A uh, it's a non profit organization. Okay. Is that our first time here in ASI? Good. Glad you're here. Welcome. Who else? My name is Rod Bieber. Uh, we started a nonprofit uh, about two years ago, 501c3, and uh, our company is uh, Seed Time and Harvest. So we reach out to agricultural people, farmers and ranchers, um, target them, and so I'm just here to learn. Um, and it hasn't been complicated to this point. It's been very simple for us, but we don't do a lot of, um, you know, cash flow stuff, so maybe that would change if we did. <laughs> yeah, money makes things different. Yes, my name's Alfred Delatore, and I'm a physician in private practice in Southern California, but I want to transition into lifestyle medicine, so I just want to see what you're all doing. <laughs> okay, well, we're probably not going to talk a lot about lifestyle medicine per se. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm putting this away. Is there another hand that... What, just really need to share, okay? I know I couldn't get to everyone. Okay, I'm Noel Bradford. We have a nonprofit called Hands, um, which consists of mostly medical professionals, and we go overseas once a year organizing health screening, etc. The question that I would like to be discussed and possibly find some answers to is how do you attract resources on a sustainable level? Yeah, I think that's um, probably a question that we all would like to know. I, I appreciate it. I, I'm sorry. 
that I, uh, I wanted to do a little bit of that for my sake and, and yours too, to, so we know who's, uh, you know, who's here. Okay, um, I don't know how you like to do it, um, but I have a, a slide here, slides, that is going to show us uh, the questions. If you're the type of person that you like to have the handout to write on as we talk, there's, you can come up here and start on the left. There's, this is the main handout, I'm gonna, and the answers are here. <laughs> and then the next one is articles of incorporation, of actual corporation that I have worked with, and then the bylaws. So just come on down this way. So now you can have, come, yes. Um, if you, I want to encourage you, if you're going to, if at the end you decide there's something you picked up you don't need, would you bring it back and, and put it back in the box? So, so when you get your handouts, the, the first one that will be really obvious to you, it's the, uh, it's the, the questions are in bold and then a discussion. I do have it in digital form if you want to uh, give me uh, your email. We can arrange to get digital copies. So let me, um, it'll be most efficient if I, I don't like to talk as much as my wife, although she would argue me that point, but I still like to talk enough that I have to be organized, I won't get finished, okay? Now you know a person is really sanguine when, even when they have a list and a schedule, they still never get more than halfway. But anyway, um, by God's grace, we'll finish the whole thing and have some questions and answers, period. You know, you ask the questions and I'll get someone else to answer them for you. But anyway, so um, my first question is, and I think a lot of people, oh, I'm sorry, I was going to, I don't know if that matters to you, but uh, we'll talk about it later when it's important, I guess. Uh, so the first question that most people or many people have uh, that are not acquainted with the idea of having corporations or nonprofit and all this stuff, and I had the same questions. Was uh, hey, is this is it safe? I mean, should should you really do this? Isn't this getting entanglement with the government? I mean, you know. And then, of course, if you're into conspiracy theories, you know. Uh, so my first sentence there is: uh, this, these are judgment calls all must decide for themselves. I'm not here to tell you whether you should start a nonprofit or not, or if you have one, whether that was a good thing or not. But I just state the facts, because I think a lot of this is a little blown out of proportion sometimes. Corporations are simply legal entities that have an existence in law, okay? And they uh, are operated according to the laws passed by our government. And, uh, and then I mentioned that the church organized, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, organized corporations right after 1860s when we first realized we had to have more organization to do God's work efficiently. And so uh, Ellen White's councils, if you're familiar with 
who Ellen White is, uh, her counsels were favorable to, number one, to getting organized, and number two, um, support, supporting the idea that that organization included forming corporations. One of the problems we were having is, as the church was growing in the uh, 1800s was assets. Do you know that many, I mean, when we operated our ministry sometimes in the beginning this way too, that the, the assets that were really considered by all of us to not really belong to a person were put in someone's name because somebody had to own it. And, uh, and then, of course, all you have to do is have something go bad, and then you, that, that's not a good situation. So, so we, we found it a lot easier for shared ministry, shared ownership to do a corporation. But I'm not able to speak to you about international. If you're from another country and things operate differently, I, I wouldn't uh, you know, even suggest that I can speak to that. I just, but I am pretty familiar with how it works in the United States. And I have formed nonprofits in more than one of our, of our states. Uh, by the way, a little interesting point there uh, about Ellen White, that she agreed to serve and did serve on the board for the Madison School. I think when it was first formed, it was called the Nashville Normal and Agricultural Institute. Uh, so I'm very comfortable myself that this is um, a tool that, that we could use like anything else. Okay? Uh, I don't own a television, for example. Don't, don't think I'm radical. But anyway, I just don't have time for a television in my house. But I don't condemn anyone who has a television. I just don't happen to have time for it. So if you don't need a, a corporation, wonderful but I think it's a tool that we might use. Okay, next uh, uh, area of question, of course, uh, is it practical, you know? What's involved, et cetera? What do you have to do? Isn't it expensive? Uh, don't you have to have a lawyer? And I've had experience both ways. I've had uh, nonprofits that I've formed that we did use a lawyer, an attorney, and I've had Two or three I've formed without any attorneys at all. Um, so, you, no, you do not have to have an attorney. Uh, there, is, there is some value to it. I mean, if, you, if, if I were going to, if I had, uh, say, $5 million of personal property that I was looking to, to put into uh, a nonprofit, I probably would spend a few dollars to get an attorney to make sure that we hadn't missed anything or you know, some obvious thing that would later put those assets at risk. But so far, I've never had $5 million to put into one. Um, so basically, you have to have at least three people. I've never, I don't know of any state. Um, I'm only familiar really closely with three. But I don't know of any state where you don't have to have at least three people uh, to form a, a corporation, a nonprofit corporation. And uh, right now, we're not talking about, I'm not talking about tax exempt. We're talking about just forming a corporation. Okay, well, I'm going to separate those two topics. Um, you'll see for obvious reasons. So one of the things to keep in mind is that uh, there are, and at the back of your handout, by the way, um, I have um, on the back pages a, a couple of websites and some things here that are very useful resources on, on, online. And I also, by the way, have, um, for someone who's very strongly text-based, I do have a printout of a couple of forms and the instructions in my little uh, book here that you can look at. 
or even borrow. As long as you put a $100 deposit down. You can. Anyway, just kidding. So the bottom line is it, it is not that, it is remarkably non-complicated, -com really. Uh, look at your second handout, the Articles of Incorporation. Um, and this is the document, just, what, three pages uh, is, well, one, two, yeah, three pages is the document that you file in the, in the United States, uh, like I say, in the three states I'm familiar with, California, Virginia, and Oregon, that you just file a document like this, and um, you can file it with the uh, state corporation commissioner or whatever they might call it in your state with a fee and uh, it's done. You have a corporation. I was looking here at the articles in corporation. That's a separate document. That, that you, and then, but, but the back page here is simply, I was referring to earlier, there's some websites and some documents that I, we'll talk about those. I just wanted you to know that it was in the back there. They have really simplified things since I last, the last time I formed a corporation was 2007. And, uh, and so I just went in preparing for this presentation, I went and did a little you know, catch up. And wow, is it nice, because now they have this website, which I gave you on the back page there, um, IRS stay exempt. It's the next to the last page in bottom half. And there it is, stayexempt.irs.gov. Wow, what a nice website. They have uh, explanations, forms. In fact, I thought about when I looked at that, I thought, well, we probably didn't need to have this talk. I could just tell you some of my personal experiences because it's, it's very, very easy and everything is right there and it's online. Sir. LLC. Yes. And then, um, and then um, as we went along, somebody said, well, what you're doing is that LLC is really for-profit more than non-for-profit. We should be a corporation. So we had to go back and, and change. And I think, you, you know, if you don't do it right, then you could run into some, into some yeah. difficulties. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And, and the next question, I do have a question on, on separate states. Is this is this something that is filed as a, as a country in America, or different states have different requirements? Yeah, that's a great Can question. Can they turn it down? Yeah, that's a great question. I've got to have that mic. Uh, so the, the answer to you, that's a great question. The, great, uh, the answer is that there's what's something that's the concept of reciprocity. A corporation formed, in fact, do you know the state that has probably more corporations than any other state is Delaware, and it's one of the smallest states because the laws in Delaware are very friendly to, to corporation forming, et cetera. And you could form a corporation, a Delaware corporation, even though you're a resident of California, if that was what you want to do. Oh, thanks for that reminder. Anyone with your cell phones still not turned off? This is a good reminder for us to put them on silent. Let me make sure mine is. That's kind of embarrassing to say that and then have your phone ring. Anyway, so... Yeah, so the answer is you, you form it in one, one state, and it's recognized um, in all the 50 states. And in fact, I, I would have to check outside of our boundaries, but I believe it's also easily recognized um, outside the United States. But there are documents you have to file. Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah, I want to back up just a second. I think it's worth 
journey when we signed up. We found a CPA firm that had a, something specialized in not the profit. We found that very helpful and not very expensive. Good, good. And I agree. If you can afford professional help, it is certainly a good way to go. Um, but I, the, talking about the, the example about you working under an LLC and then finding out that you really you need a corporation, let me just speak to that. Um, that's in this paragraph here in the middle of that first page. A key concept to keep in mind is that when a nonprofit corporation is formed, its assets, and what do I mean? Money, property, everything, what belongs to it, legally belong to the corporation and cannot be used to benefit any of the incorporators or other private parties. And in fact, and when we talk about tax exempt status, this is where it really gets, that's a, a, a big point um, that comes into play here, is what kind of checks and balances are, or, or what are your bylaws, et cetera, so that the, they know that this separation is there. So the corporation can lease assets, buy and sell things. It's, it's really very much just like a, uh, a person in many respects. But it is a person whose will is the will of the board. So you have to, a corporation has to have a board. And every state that I know of, a nonprofit corporation has to have a board. There may be, I guess there might be some profit corporations that don't, but I don't know about profit corporations. And that board uh, then has, makes these decisions and manages things. So let me move. Um, so how does operating, I still there's a few, uh, I want to make sure we're clear with this because some people are still wondering. So how does operating a nonprofit affect your ministry and witness? Can a nonprofit pay a living wage, for example? Okay. And, uh, and the answer is really, um, of course, that there are many corporations you'd never think of as, as corporations, uh, nonprofits, I mean, um, excuse me. There are many nonprofits you would never have thought of maybe as nonprofit, and they're paying. Uh, like I remember before I even became a Christian, uh, I was uh, in IT. I worked for Blue Cross and Blue Shield. I had no idea that they were a nonprofit. Uh, some of them aren't now, okay? They've gone to for-profit, uh, and I don't think we'll probably try to go into that, but, the, but they, were, uh, they were a nonprofit, and we all made good bucks there. <laughs> so, so you can pay uh, anything within reason, um, and what that means is you, uh, especially if you're, when you get to the nonprofit part of it, they will want to make sure, again, that you're not just using this nonprofit as a way to line your pockets and, you know, do uh, unreasonable things. Uh, someone mentioned how back there about it, wasn't, it, it was relatively easy. Uh, we'll say this, that um, forming our corporation t was a matter of, like I said, filing a p paper and, and getting the, <clears throat> the approval that we, we existed. But... Filing the nonprofit was a status was a lot more complicated. However, it was approved to our amazement. I mean, we were praying, right, of course, but it was approved. We didn't have prelim, uh, preliminary approval or anything. They just said, okay, you're, you are a nonprofit this day forward. And sometimes, in the, uh, they used to be that you would get a nonprofit, I mean, a tax exempt, I'm sorry for mixing my, you would get a tax exempt status and they, it would be provisional and they would want you to file reports for a period of time. And I understand that that may still happen at times, but, uh, but if you are a true ministry, I don't think you'll have a problem. All right, let's, so 
So you compare living wage. Uh, one of the things that we found about nonprofits and the reason that it really is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think personally myself of having a ministry without using a nonprofit. Now, that's my own personal uh, experience and, and belief. But what I found was, the, and it comes to somebody's question about raising support. In the communities that I've been involved in, the people in the community, the businessmen, the, the citizens, they consider a nonprofit more obviously a disinterested, a benevolent activity. If you're doing it, if it's yourself, like, okay, I'm a physician. So suppose I say, I say to the community, well, now I'm a benevolent guy. You know, I'm really doing this as a ministry. And they say, yeah, you know, you, how come you make like 10 times of every patient that you see? You know, what, how's, how's that benevolent? And, uh, and just for your information, I, that, that isn't true about me. But then I'm, I'm an undoctor. I'm a lifestyle medicine doctor. So it uh, doesn't pay that well. But my point is, when I did the exact same kind of work in the, in the community as part of a nonprofit, it completely was com- looked at it completely differently. And so I don't know how you, it'll work with your, your constituency, your, your public, who you're trying to reach. You have to think about that. But I believe that, by and large, being nonprofit, even if you, even if you can't get tax-exempt status, is a good thing to do. It, it opens uh, the public's, um, you know, it opens their heart more to your benevolence. Let's put it that way. And it, they don't mind that people will get paid. I mean, everybody has to eat, right? The uh, labor is worthy of his hire. So, okay. And you know what we did, in fact, uh, the one that you have there, the article is in corporation, as you can see. I mean, this is, a, this is the actual real live, I mean, it's not signed by the Secretary of State, but it was signed by me, I think. No, that, okay, that one wasn't signed. But anyway, guess, uh, but this is what we filed. This is the do- actual document for this uh, lifestyle health education nonprofit, and it, it does, still exists. And it's a Virginia corporation, and it's, and it's active. And it's, um, let me say one other thing while I'm thinking about it. The, um, one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted to do a ministry in collaboration with our local church but the local church, how do I say this kindly? You know, I'm a, I joke around a little bit, so don't, don't take everything I say, you know. But uh, I don't want to get in trouble. And I'm not as wild as Mr. Trump, but I do sometimes exaggerate just a little to make my point. But anyway, it seemed like the church was just shaking in their boots because we were going to have some uh, a doctor and a nurse, and they might get sued, and then the whole church, and, and they were so worried. And, and so, and I don't, okay, so that's so much for my... But it's true. We do want to protect the church. So we formed a nonprofit, and the nonprofit, we did all this ministry through the nonprofit, which the affiliate, the way we connected it with the local church was we put some of the church board on our board and on our operating committee. So the nonprofit actually was run for all practical purposes by the church, but there was no legal connection in. Now, what I'm told by the lawyers who are expert on this is that, well, believe me, the judges follow the money. So if, if in fact, the church is in control, uh, but that's what the, the Adventist church did when we started separate corporations called holding corporations for our property. You may be aware of that, and we have separate corporations that are, uh, so that idea was to try to isolate things. You know, I don't know what you think, but here's what I think. 
I'm not, I don't, God's in charge of me, okay? God owns my car. He lets me use it, drive it. He, he, he has my, everything I have is really God's. And so I'm like, so I had somebody steal some of my stuff one time. And you know what I said? I said, well, okay, Lord, apparently you wanted to put that in somebody else's stewardship. Okay, praise the Lord. So I don't know what your attitude is, but my point is that, that I'm, not, uh, I'm not unwilling to pay the price for whatever. If I do something, and, I'll, 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 and if it sends me to debtor's prison, okay, I'll, you know, I'm going to try and, and manage my stuff. But I mean, I'm, I like the idea that if you do something that hurts me, you should be accountable. You should be willing to make it right to me. So I don't really have a philosophical problem. <laughs> I'm not trying to find some way to be able to do harmful things and not pay the price. So, but I do believe you should be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. So, so we have a nonprofit. It uh, has a board that's very, uh, uh, a separate board from the church and everything. But we have on it some of the people from the church, and we have an operating committee that basically runs the thing, and that's all church members. Okay. So were people that wanted to say something. You wanted to say something. So it's a good point. Yeah, technically, there's no limit, uh, but, um, but I do think that as, a, as I understand the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, beliefs and uh, writings, um, we uh, have a little bit more limitation than the world does. We, we don't believe in exorbitant wages or exorbitant prices. It was somewhere over here, there was a... Yes, you there's I think, as, if I understand the, what we're talking about here, and I haven't gotten to that part of the talk yet, but let's um, get there. So there's, you can be nonprofit or for-profit when you form a corporation. So, so no, I know that. I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, if I, when I get through, if I haven't covered what you want to say, let me, let me know. So, so with these articles of, of incorporation, a corporation is defined by this, and you can tell from this whether it's for-profit or not-for-profit, okay? What you cannot tell is whether it's tax-exempt or not because tax-exempt status is granted by the IRS separately. This is granted by the, corp- by the state, the, the, the state of Virginia. 
granted this corporation. They have nothing to do with tax exempt or not. And we'll talk in a moment in another, I will talk about tax exempt just very shortly. But I think what my friend was uh, bringing out is that you have, you can have a for-profit or a non-profit corporation. The tax exempt status is only available to non-profits and uh, at least in the states I've worked with. Um, and so you have a separate application and a separate thing you have to do. Now, there's something that you said, and I don't know exactly what you meant. I may be putting too much onto your words, but you said something about when a donor gives something, they want to, they want to receive something. Okay, and here's I want to say something really clear. <laughs> Especially if you're a tax exempt, there isn't, you don't get anything. If, if I give something to a nonprofit or to tax exempt, I get nothing. Now, I might get a tax exempt receipt, which I can then file with my taxes, but I, I just wanted to really make a clear, unambiguous that if you give something to a nonprofit, it's gone. You get nothing. Okay? You might get goodwill, you might, you, but you, if you get anything, then their tax exempt status is in jeopardy. Because uh, my wife is the treasurer for a number of these corporations, and we go, uh, the reports that we have to file are very uh, explicit about, you know, showing that there is nothing going back to donors. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're getting, yes, these are good points. Um, um, I can see I'm, we're getting, uh, um, that's all right. But anyway, we're not following my, uh, my agenda very well here, so we're, it's going to be a little choppy. Um, let, me, let me move ahead and, and look at these things, because if I don't do that, we'll, I'll end up missing something that I should have shared with you. Okay, so what are the advantages of uh, operating as a nonprofit, and uh, what does it let you do? And I already talked a little bit about that. Uh, but in the handout, this is, we're now on the second page of the handout here, uh, they allow you to establish an enduring enterprise which protects your investments from being usurped or appropriated by others. I don't know if any of you have had this experience. I have had a small case of it. I know someone who had a big case of it, and that is they sort of group banded together with some like-minded folk, and, and, put a, and, and the ministry grew, and pretty soon they were putting pretty, a, a pretty large amount of their personal assets into it, only to find that somebody ended up uh, uh, making off with it, okay? I mean, in, in essence. And in fact, do you know one of the most famous cases where this happened in the Adventist church uh, is actually uh, Dr. Kellogg. Dr. Kellogg ended up with Battle Creek Sanitarium, and it, it, it really should have been, it should have been belonged to the church. If you look at the history of all that, uh, I believe that was the intent of those who, who gave assets to it. But he managed to end up with it, and, and when he separated or you know, and I'm not here commenting about the good or the bad or the ugly about that separation. I'm sure there was fault on both sides. But all I'm trying to get at is, and there was a corporation involved there. So, so I just know that if I were someone that was putting a large amount of money into something, I would want to know that it was secure. It wasn't going to go, somebody wasn't going to embezzle or, or take it or own it. Number two, that it was enduring, that it would go on. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm going to die sometime. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'll get translated uh, alive, but 
I'm losing hope for that as I get older and older. But anyway, uh, used to th- I was pretty sure that about 30 years ago. <laughs> anyway, uh, not to joke about a serious topic. But anyway, maybe it's sooner than we realize. So, sure, you want to say something? Well, that's, I think that's probably a really good question, and I think it's outside the purvey of my talk and, and maybe in a, uh, my knowledge. I would say, I mean, you, it's, you may be talking about something that you may want to establish a, a foundation or you may want to establish some kind of a financial instrument that I don't, I'm not sure I fully understand all that you're talking about. But I, 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 I will say this about nonprofits and tax exempt, is that a properly established nonprofit with tax exempt status would certainly in my mind qualify as one of the avenues for accomplishing what you're saying but I want to say you can make a um, well I, 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 this guy over here probably knows more than I do about it but there's some there are financial arrangements that you can make to give our uh, assets to a corporation or to the church or whatever with a specific purpose etc yes Well, let me, I, I will, I'm only going to spend another minute because, I mean, it's a great question, but it's, it's, not, for, it's not really what we're doing here. But, let me, but I will say one thing about that question. You see, if the church started allowing itself to become an instrument for everybody's pet project that they wanted to give money to, pretty soon we wouldn't have time to, to oh, preach. Well, I, but stick with me. So, so I've, I have known people who have asked the church to do something and they were willing to put the money in it. That it, was, it would cost the church nothing. But I have come, as I've gotten a few more gray hairs, to appreciate their reticence to, to do that. Because here's, here's the point. If I, anybody in this room, or the church or anybody, any entity, if I accept funds that I give my word will be used in a certain way, I believe I, before God, I have a God-given responsibility to make that happen. And, and so that's work. Anyway, so I just want to say that I believe there are such instruments out there and things you can do. Uh, I don't think the church is the main way to do that. And that brings me to one more thing I want to say about nonprofits, uh, corporations, and that is they're run by a board. You know, you, you know the United States, uh, I don't know, I assume most of you are United States citizens, but in the U.S., the Supreme Court is the final arbiter of what the Constitution means, right? You, you understand that if you're 
at least they, they say if you're gray-haired, you had enough civic government classes in school to know that. Sometimes I wonder if they're getting it in the new generation. But anyway, I remember I was taught that fact. And, uh, and so what that means is that the Supreme Court of today interprets the Constitution a little differently than the first Supreme Court. And that's a probably, by and large, that's a good thing, but it can become problematic. So where I'm headed is, if you have a board running a corporation and there's someone on there who's a power uh, uh, able to manipulate and, be, and, and, and take control, a board can, uh, one or two at most, can take a board you know, wherever it want to go. So, so what I'm telling you is, if you're thinking about this, that you, you want to have your, and what controls that is your bylaws. Your bylaws and your, and your articles of incorporation are the things that, that give the uh, controls because the, the board is bound by the bylaws and the articles of incorporation. Now, they can change those, but the bylaws, so what you do is you obviously make it so it's not easy to change the bylaws. Okay, I don't know if I've gotten off on a tangent and everyone is, is uh, going to sleep on me or not, but anyhow, if you have specific questions that's relevant to the things I'm talking about, don't hesitate to ask. I just don't want to go off in too many directions. Okay, so are, are there any disadvantages? Is there any reason you would not want to have a nonprofit corporation? Well, there are some. And, and, and uh, one of the things, as it says here clearly, is that nonprofits have specific rules and policies they must operate under. This does limit what can be done, but I think in a good way. Notice decisions can be delegated to officers, so the board can delegate in the bylaws that decisions of certain type can be made by officers, so the board does not have to make and approve every, every little decision. Um, but nonprofits are not as nimble as sole proprietorship uh, or even a... Uh, a good partnership because, you know, they have to have meetings and discussion and you've got to have a majority agree on something. Then here's another important point. Assets given to nonprofits cannot be taken back or given to the donor, especially if the donor received a tax deduction for their donation. Okay. All right. What is the difference about taxes? Yes, sir. That's the three handouts. What is the difference between being a nonprofit entity and a tax exempt entity? Aren't these the same thing? If not, why would you want to be which one? And bottom line is that uh, now when I introduce the idea of tax exemption, tax exemption, in, there's two components to it I think that we should be aware of. The first one is that if you were tax exempt as an individual, suppose somehow I could grant you tax exemption, that would mean you, you would think it would mean you wouldn't have to pay tax, right? And that's, that's true. You are, if you're tax exempt, uh, you're exempt from income tax because the tax exemption is granted by the federal government. So you're exempt from federal income tax. Of course, in my case, that's not a problem because uh, we didn't have any income. So I didn't need to be tax exempt not to pay tax. Uh, there's a, I'm, I'm smiling a little bit. You guys are too serious. But anyway, but it, it's true. We really were. Uh, we were truly a nonprofit ministry. <laughs> Excuse me. But, uh, so I, really, I wasn't worried about getting the tax exemption from income tax. I wasn't going to be paying any tax. But the other part, oh, by the way, you may or may not be exempt from sales tax or property tax or other taxes. You'll have to check with your local uh, county and government and so on. 
um, we found that in some cases, uh, forget where it was, maybe in Virginia, but anyway, we, we actually did, as a tax-exempt nonprofit, it affected some other tax that we were exempt from. I forgot what it was now, right now. It wasn't sales tax. But anyhow, but the real reason that you want to be tax-exempt, for most of us, is because we can give a tax-deductible receipt for donations or property. And so if someone gives me, say, uh, a van to use in my ministry, I can give them a tax-deductible receipt valued in what's the appropriate market value of the van. Now, I cannot give them a million-dollar receipt for a $10,000 van that needs repairs. I can't, that's just, that's not right, and you'll get in trouble if you try it. I know some who have. Um, so, not Adventist, but I have no nonprofits. Anyway, so, so the, that can be valuable to, especially to whom? To a donor that pays tax. Now, if, you're, if it's a donor that, like me, doesn't have any income to pay tax, it doesn't mean anything. But no, no, it's, it's a valuable thing. It means that you are more likely to be able to get donor uh, donations from folks that have uh, some assets. And it's, it's not a small thing. It's, um, it definitely makes a, a significant difference. All right. Uh, personal experience. Okay. Uh, I already kind of showed you that at the first, uh, my first, second slide. Anyway, so I have helped form or uh, formed or helped form two tax-exempt nonprofits in Virginia. One was done in 1989, Eden Way Incorporated, and Lifestyle Health Education. I just showed you that was 2007. Um, and um, Eden Way was a city ministry in Roanoke, Virginia. It included a vegan cafe, a whole grain bakery, and a health food store. Uh, Lifestyle Health Education is a church-affiliated health ministry in Rocky Mountain, Virginia. It includes a health food store, outpatient lifestyle medicine clinic. My wife and I did most of the paperwork for, the, for that. Uh, we filled out the 1023. We did the 990s, tax reports. So uh, we've been integrally in, okay, involved. Um, I'm the president for Lifestyle Health Education. You got the articles of the corporation there, so you can tell what it does. Uh, she was also, I'm sorry she can't be here. Uh, she broke her ankle. Uh, it was a pretty bad break. She had to have surgery about three weeks ago, so she's still not mobile enough uh, to come. Sorry. She, she's the uh, chief financial officer for a secular tax-exempt corporation. Uh, in fact, she handled, listen to this, this is a little, little fun uh, tidbit here, but she handled the largest acquisition of property by the U.S. government since the Louisiana Purchase. That's my wife, you know. So anyway, she writes big checks. But anyway, it was. It was a, a, a wealthy donor bought, I don't remember how many thousands of acres of land that, from the railroad in uh, southeastern California and uh, the Wildlands Conservancy bought the whole thing and transferred it to the United States government. So that was cool. Largest lamp acquisition by the U.S. government since the Louisiana Purchase. Uh, so, we, yeah. Now, move on to something more useful. Can religious 
How about that? Doesn't, can, can a nonprofit be religious purposes? And can you do this without having to be a church? Of course, you know that, right? You, you can start a church. You can, and you can do that. You don't have to be. Uh, I'm not saying that you should. But anyway. But you, the answer is that no. You do not have to have a. Uh, hey, there's my friend. Uh, you, don't, you do not have to be a church to have religious purposes for your nonprofit. And in fact, but I want to I point out something to you. Oh, I forgot to mention uh, that I, I see I've, I left a paragraph out of previous. Um, anyway, it's in your handout about the American College of Lifestyle Medicine that I helped form. The Articles of Incorporation must state the name of the corporation and its Mailing address, its category, whether it's profit or for profit, its purpose, the names of directors and officers, and the agent or contact person. One of the possible purposes for a corporation, especially a nonprofit, is specifically for religious purposes. Uh, both uh, in Virginia and in California, when I was filing a, an article as incorporation, one of the recognized uh, purposes was for religious purposes. Okay, and uh, but I want to say something. Having said that. Because we didn't go that route. We didn't choose to form a corporation for religious purposes. But did we form it for religious purposes? Well, absolutely. In one sense, because ever since I became a Christian, I don't know about you, but ever since I became a Christian, everything I do is for religious purposes, if you want to say it. So, I mean, uh, but I thought, we thought that um, forming a nonprofit for benevolent public services, including health, education, and science, that allows me to do everything and anything I want to do, including study the Bible. So I, we just chose not to, uh, to use it. I'm not opposing it. And, you, and, you know, sometimes we thought, well, we could just check all the boxes, you know, including religion. But anyway, I just want to make it clear that while I'm not opposed to forming a corporation that specifically says for religious purposes, um, you don't have to do that to accomplish most of what we're wanting to do in ministry. Because, see, under health, you can do medical services, health education, books, radio programs, spiritual health. How about that? Spiritual health can include Bible studies and materials. So, now, tax exemption, okay, Yeah, well, one of the things that we've done, uh, I have to look in the, I don't know if it was in the articles or if it's in the bylaws, but what we have done is when we talk about health, we talk physical, mental, spiritual, social, you know, kind of like parentheses. And so there it is. Uh, It's there. Now, I don't know. Uh, um, The thing, here's what we were trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid this idea that sometimes happens when, People think that you're just trying to veil your religion. I mean, you know, really, your interest in health is because you're a Seventh-day Adventist and you believe everybody ought to be a vegetarian. And, and so we're just trying to make it clear that, that, I don't know, I don't know if we're making anything clear or not, but just it's, it's, the issue isn't uh, that it's because I believe that. It's because that's right. It's because that's rational. It's because that's best. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Uh, yes, back there. I have 
That's a great question. I think that's a great question, and I recognize immediately I don't have a complete answer for you on that. I wonder the same thing, though, um, because I know, like, in California, uh, it, things are getting a, it's getting a little dicey, from what I understand. And, uh, yeah, and so um, it could be an advantage to have religious purposes in there. But then you've you got to think, I mean, these, think these things through. Bob Jones, you know Bob Jones University, right? Bob Jones is about as clear to me as a religious entity as you could be, and yet they're having trouble with their religious exemption on some things. So, so I mean, you know, ultimately, when the push comes to shove, we're going to get persecuted, doesn't matter what. <laughs> what you're... That's my understanding that they're having issues. Uh, yes, but you see, they're getting, they've gotten entangled. I'll see your hand. They've gotten entangled with um, government loans for students. That's another entanglement avenue. Okay. I mean, the, you know, the government, the government, I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, the government works for me. I mean, you know, I don't know if you realize that. The government really works for you, too. So it works for all of us. But anyway, so the government is not my enemy, uh, but it's secular. And so what I'm going to say is that from the standpoint of a consumer, as a, a citizen, I'm kind of happy that the government has some kind of strings on the money to just throw money away. Well, I don't know. We're kind of doing a good job of that. Sorry, I just had to throw that in. But anyway, but, um, you know, I like the idea of accountability on, on my money that the government uses. But then when I'm, when I'm receiving, like we have students at our institute at Black Hills, where I'm, you know, work at Black Hills, we have students, and we would like to be able to uh, help them get uh, student funding, uh, grants, uh, loans, excuse me. Well, we'd love to have grants, but, but loans. But, if we, but we've been talking about that. Well, wait a minute. Do we really want to have students get loans? Because the strings come with the money. And uh, I don't mind that if the string is attached to the student, but when it's attached to the school, <laughs> I, have, I have problems with that. So anyway, that's a great question, and I honestly don't know the answer. Maybe this gentleman here. So I'm just going to answer this for my... So I work as a consultant for the development of the 500. And part of what I've been doing is I've been reading LMY. I think a number of your advice would actually help some of this. So I was saying um, I've worked as a business consultant, and as I've been reading Ellen White tr with my business lens, I've started good, to understand good, that some of the good. advice you gave was actually to help with some of these issues. Right? So from a business standpoint, if you're actually thinking about the question you asked, how do you protect yourself for some of these uh, very tough federal laws, one of the things is that numbers tends to be actually a big thing. A lot of the federal uh, rules are governed by once you're a certain size and Correct. if you go above a certain size, Correct. then you're subject to this law. So when you think about Ellen White had indicated that small. keep your things small, right? And so this becomes some you know, wise wisdom from ways back that we can use today. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Really good. Uh, really good comment. And yes, um, I agree completely. And, and it's another reason to keep it to, to be small, I think, is that um, it's better to form a sister than to just keep growing until you, you know, just think about, uh, you know, us Americans, most, too many of us weigh 300 pounds. And it would be better if there was three of us that weighed 100 pounds. But anyway, so, and you can do more too. Okay, uh, tax exempt. I don't know if I finished this part here. 
I wanted to talk about tax exempt, just, and I know I'm going to run out of time, but I keep watching the clock here. We've still got a few minutes. Um, so tax exemption is a separate process from, okay? And the key form that you file is, is the 1023. So we, t uh, and, I, and I have a copy up here for you to look at, but in the back of your handout here, there is a, um, a page. I'm sorry, here. Yeah, um, the, 10, the 1023, it's on the last page. You have a, uh, a part of the 1023, so you recognize it. And then you'll notice there's a 1023EZ. Um, if the bottom line, again, is you probably will go to stayexempt.irs.gov, and they will help guide you right through all of this, but it's a lot easier than it was, frankly, when we did it in 2007. Uh, the 1023 is like a 30 or 40, a 40 page document. And uh, wow, I mean, I, when we first saw that, I can still remember my wife and I, we looked at each other and said, are we going to do this? You know, or, are we going to get a CPA or are we going to get somebody? And you know what we did? My uh, um, nephew in law is an attorney and his wife is a CPA, my niece. And so I says, well, and you know what he said to me? He says, well, I can do it. But he says, you're going to have to answer all the questions anyway. I mean, I can't, uh, I can't do it unless you tell me all the answers. And we said, well, if we've got to know all the answers, we don't need you. I was just I mean, a relative. Okay, I could, say, I could talk that way. But anyway, I says, so, so uh, we, we says, well, we'll let you review it at the end. So we did it. And, you know, it was a useful process. I, I really do. I, don't, I hope you would not uh, let the size of this tomb uh, uh, Put you off. It's it's doable. Colleen, um, what would qualify you to do the EZ as opposed to the the ten twenty? Yeah, that's a great question, um, and I don't remember the specifics. This was new. They didn't have it when we did ours, or we would have done probably. But I, I believe that it has to do with, as he was saying, with the size of what you're you're planning to do. But I, yeah, I should have had an answer for that. I don't, I don't remember the specifics. I will tell you this, that I do remember this um, when I was trying to update my information. The, um, the vast majority of people can file 1023EZ. So almost everybody. There's uh, only a few cases now that need to do the, the big 1023. Um, okay. This is, you guys know the answer to this question. Some of this um, is pretty self-explanatory, I mean, self-obvious. Like, um, what are some ministries that are nonprofits? You know, most of, most of them, most of Adventist ministries are nonprofits. Um, okay, here we are talking about this already. I want to say something about the bylaws, because I think that's important. And I noticed, <laughs> I really appreciate them doing this, but uh, this is not the handout that I... I sent for you to, to you to receive. This is, I'm sure, much better. Um, I actually gave you a copy of ours, but this is one from uh, the bylaws of ASI Mission. So this is more, this is more the ASI brand. And it's very good. I, I, I leafed through it. But uh, uh, it's, it's a bit more complicated. I suspect this was put together by an attorney, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, but the one that we put together was a little bit simpler. Uh, but nonetheless, here's the key thing I want to say just about bylaws. The bylaws are what becomes, I mean, when a difficult thing comes 
up in your nonprofit management. The bylaws are going to become your, this is the arbiter. This is, these are the rules. This is, this is where you have to go. And by the way, if you are part of a nonprofit, get a copy of the bylaws and know what the bylaws say. One of my frustrations, having served on a number of nonprofits, is, is I, I actually am not sure that you should have a director. I don't think you're qualified, speaking of Trump, I'm sorry. But anyway, I don't think you're qualified if you don't know what the bylaws say. I mean, you really, how can you do your job as a director? Because this is what you're supposed to follow. This is what you're supposed to do. So, so anyway, the bylaws are important. And, uh, and it's really good when you form one to take a couple of copies. There are examples out there. We, we're giving you one. There are others. And, and just look at them and think about it. Now, one of the things we did was we thought, let's get an example from some nonprofit that does what we do or what we're planning to do. See what I'm saying? So it would be silly to go get a you know, something that's not at all like what you are. It'll be more different. The other thing is, think about the size. I don't know what you're going to do. We, we wanted something small. Uh, so we ended up, I think our board, the Lifestyle Health Education, I think our board is six members. And I'll let me, I want to share a little insight with you here on that, by the way. We did something I haven't seen others do. I'm sure it's been done. But we wanted the local church engagement, right? but we didn't know who the pastor might be <laughs> 10 years from now. And so what we did was in our bylaws, the provision is that the pastor of the nearest Seventh-day Adventist church is a member of the board unless they decline, and the parish nurse of the local church is a member of our board unless they should decline, in which case the church is invited to name a replacement or another one. So, see, built into our, um, remember, we wanted a nonprofit that would work with the local church and the church would feel ownership. Because one of the, I don't know if anybody here has much experience with this, but my experience in working with a local church is that, that um, it's difficult to do something a little different than what they're doing and still have them have ownership. It's like, well, this is your thing, you know. And we wanted it to not be our thing. And God really blessed that. that and I know because when we were gone for a year one time, and now we've actually, I've, we moved out of state, that ministry, you know what usually happens when you leave, when, when something like you put together ministry, it's in a local church, and then you go to Africa, it just withers up like a worm ate the stalk. I mean, it just disappears. And it didn't happen. So I know we succeeded that that, that that ministry is seen by the church as their ministry. And, that's, uh, and so what I'm sharing to share with you is if that was one of your goals in your ministry, then you might want to think about making it so that the, the church is organically connected with, at the board level with your ministry. Now, if that's not what you want to do, that doesn't... Yes, ma'am. There, the minimum number is in the uh, is in the Articles of Incorporation. If if there is a if there's a, a number, it is set by here, like in uh, page two out of three. The directors, the corporation have a board of directors not less than four, nor more than fifteen individuals. So, in the Articles of Incorporation, and this is something to think about. These are hard to change; they're not impossible. But it's, very, it's, it's more complicated to change the articles than the bylaws. 
the board can vote by majority, I think, in most cases, like some of these articles will say that to change the bylaws requires a supermajority or whatever to, to do that. But the point is you can do that at a normal board meeting, but you cannot change the articles at a board meeting. board cannot change the articles. It takes a process of, of filing with the State Corporation Commission and so forth and so on. Well, anyway, I'm just, it's, not, it's possible, but it's just... So the point I'm getting at is to answer your question, it should, it's established in either the articles and or the bylaws. But the government doesn't tell you. The government doesn't tell you. I think you can't have a board less than three. Okay. I think it's the three, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Have to have uh, three different directors. So you, you see what I'm saying? You, you can't have just two directors, and you can't have all the offices held by one person. So you have to have a, usually, you have, the ones I'm familiar with, you have to have a president, a vice president, and, a, and you can put the secretary treasurer together. You can have three. Uh, and those people, of course, usually are on the board, too. I mean, if you have the smallest corporate, if you make the smallest little nonprofit that you can do, you would have yourself, your spouse, and hopefully an adult child, okay? Now, that's about as clannish as you can get, okay? But you can do that. It's legal. I don't highly recommend it. I actually think it'll be more stable. It'll be more significant if you get people who are unrelated to each other, okay? Okay. Uh, Okay, I'm running out of time. All right, so we talked about some, let's see, did we do this one? Yes. Okay, 1023, the 990 uh, tax, oh, what's this? The 990 is uh, the tax return for a corporation, and um, most of the time you can do a 990EZ, and here uh, you can see I uh, have the breakpoint for you there. So if you have a big a nonprofit ministry, you might have to, with over 200,000, you would have to do the um, 990. Not that big a deal, either one of them. I've done those for years. Uh, once you, you know, it's, it's like anything else. Once you surround it, the first time is more complicated. After you get your head around it, it's not that difficult. One of the things that you may or may not know is that you can go online and see the 990 for, for any nonprofit. Uh, if you want to and so what does that mean? That means that when you, yours will be on there too. <laughs> okay, so you can go see your own. And, yeah, yeah, maybe it's, it probably is in the cloud. Anyway, we won't go there. That's an interesting, <laughs> yes, ma'am. My, my understanding is, is if the income is less than 25,000, you don't need If it's less than 25,000, you don't have to file anything? I've not heard of that, but I'll, uh, we're not quite down that low yet, but I'm, 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 I'm just I'm half teasing. I'm sort of pushing that. Maybe I'll check and see. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Yeah, well, that's interesting. You know, less than 25000 is that that's pretty puny. I mean, we, yes. The 990N for less than 50000 takes about five minutes. Yeah. So you can do that. <laughs> yep. Okay. Okay, I think this is an important point, or else I wouldn't have put it in there, would I? But um, I do think this is an important point. Uh, it's not as important as when we filed our 1023 for tax exempt status, um, it was really obvious to us, and we did this in 2007. Now, the, the, I realize things are different now, but at that point, it was when they were just going through this, 
this change uh, in how tax exemption was awarded. They were, they were trying to tighten it up in some ways, um, and so they were giving provisional status. But anyway, you know, when they, when they looked at ours, and we got a couple of phone calls from the agent that was looking over the paperwork. You know, it's always encouraging when you spend 12 or 15 hours filling out something that somebody actually asks you about it. You know, it's kind of a little discouraging. You spend all those two or three days and nobody even looked at it as far as... But anyway, this guy was definitely looking at it, and that was encouraging. Uh, it was a little threatening to my wife, but I didn't. She uh, says, oh, they're, they're auditing us. And I'm like, no, honey, they're just trying to get explanations. So, but I was impressed that uh, what they were looking at, and in my uh, sense of it, was they really wanted to know what were we going to be doing. For example... We, remember I said we have a health food store as a part of this ministry, which is sort of like an outpatient lifestyle clinic. And a health food store is a for-profit. And so the question is, is this, is this, really, is this really non-profit? And, uh, or is this an unrelated business, in, okay, as they call it, an unrelated business income, uh, if you're familiar with the terminology. And that's what the agent was asking. How, how come you didn't consider this an unrelated business? And I says, well, it's totally related. The, we, we don't have the health food store to try and make money. We have a health food store to show people how to read labels and how, and, and how to shop for health. So it's part of our training. He says, okay. So, I mean, I wasn't making it up. This was how it really was. But... Uh, so we got, our health food store is not a for-profit. It's, it's part of the training. It's a small little thing anyway, you know. Was, was this in your bylaws? In our bylaws, no. Uh, and IRS could go ask you for it. Well, what do you mean? Was, I don't understand. It is in our bylaws because our bylaws say that we are going to do training and we're going to do, you know, uh, health education and training. And the store is for health education. So Absolutely. In that way, it's there. But the, but the bylaws, see, this is, I think it's best not to put specifics in the bylaws. Make them broad. Yeah. So we don't say in the bylaws that we will operate a health food store because what happens if, we, if the health food store goes out of business or we don't have anybody that will run it? And so we close it. Well, the training value drops, but we're not in violation of our bylaws. Um, okay, Wow. So we're out of time. I, had, I guess I had somehow I, this idea that we would have our questions at the end, but they've kind of come as we went along, which is okay. Um, yeah, so there, um, those links are in the handout. Um, so I would say the most valuable link is stayexempt.irs.gov. Uh, um, and then this irs.gov pub publications and IRS, there's a directory and they have the forms. Uh, this form here, the 557, is the instructions about uh, the nonprofit. All you ever wanted to know about, uh, I guess, let's see. And here's for the 1023 form and the instructions with it. Let's see, which one, is, what is the difference here? Oh, yeah, easy. Thank you. <laughs> so, is there any other comments or questions? Corrections. Somebody, an expert that knows more than I do, correct anything I've said? I'll tell you what. I, uh, I, I think that um, a nonprofit is remarkably easy to do. A tax-exempt status, if you're really doing something benevolent, 
and, you're, and, and that's the thing. Just say it like it is. If, you gotta, if you're doing something for the benefit of the community or others, just describe it the way you conceive it. And, and it will, my experience and some others I've had, they will, they're very happy to, to give tax-exempt status for what's real. They're trying to keep it from being abused, and I'm good with that. And uh, I think uh, Adventist, um, Seventh-day Adventist, mission-minded, we have some of the best. I mean, there's no reason we shouldn't qualify because what we are counseled to do and are wanting to do is to what? We want to mingle with people as one who desires their good, identify with their interests, minister to their needs, and bid them join me. So, I mean, uh, let me, I'll, I'll finish with this piece. And then I will have closing prayer. Um, our experience in Rocky Mount was we started off and it was, we were seen as kind of weird. I mean, uh, here's this doctor in town that doesn't uh, do normal stuff, right? And so, and he's, and he's, and he's from some unheard of religion. And I've never heard of this. What's, what is it? Seventh-day Adventist. So, so we were, and this is, this is a uh, Appalachian Mountain communities, okay? You may or may not know, but they're a little bit provincial. And, uh, I don't get too excited about that because I'm from there. Okay, so I'm one of them. But anyway, but do you know, here's what happened in our experience. By the fifth year, no, the third year, we, were, we had people in the community volunteering to come in and, and help us. They wanted to come and help us do what we were doing. And so that was good because uh, we started in 2007. I don't know if you remember, but 2008 was not a real good financial year. Uh, most businesses, many businesses starting in 2008 went out of business because uh, of the downturn. So they came and volunteered. Then the, now the status is that the United Way of our county has a fundraising for our ministry to pay, to subsidize the people who cannot pay for the lifestyle program that we run. We use a chip and, and do some uh, health ministry using the CHIP, Complete Health Improvement Program. And so the United Way raises money to give to specific people that they recruit from the community. That's what, it's a nice, it all worked out nicely. Um, they don't give us that money. They give it actually to people that come and give it to us to, to go through the program. And uh, I mean, that's, I would have never, I, I wouldn't have dreamed of that. But I don't think that we could have done that unless we were a nonprofit uh, tax exempt and operated on that basis. So I, I think it's a, a great avenue. All right, well, we need to stop because it's time to go set your gene switches, right? Now a little lifestyle medicine doctor piece comes out here. I don't know if you know it or not, but um, it's the gene switches that really determine what happens with your genes. And food has more impact on the switch settings than anything else we've discovered. So when you sit down to eat, think about you're setting gene switches. Don't, don't think you're going to fill your sweet tooth or not. You're going to set your gene switches. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for life and breath again. I thank you for this privilege of ministry. And I thank you for the interest of those who've been here and the, their experience and shared. And, the, and I pray that um, this will, having been here, will help them to be more efficient in ministry, we, we have a sense that what we do, we must do quickly, Lord. And we ask that you would bless us as lay people and pastors seeking to accomplish the 
great commission in our own day. Bless us in the remainder of the ASI convention this year. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.